good morning, everybody. Good morning. Everybody's awake and the sun is shining finally, as Caitlin alluded to, at least here in central Pennsylvania. I don't know if those of you guys online, if you're someplace sunny or dark and cold and snowy, but the good news is the groundhog, right? Groundhog said that winter's going to be over soon. Kind of like, just, just like our meteorologists these days. Who knows, right? Who knows? But um, glad you're here with us. I'm Pastor Chris. Um, I'm the pastor here at Table Life Church. You've been with us before. This is your first time. Just want to extend a welcome to you. And I'm glad that you chose to join us today. I hope that you are hungry for the word of God today and to hear what God might have to say to you um, in our time together. Um, so um, I just want to start off with a little bit of a story um, leading into the message today. Um, th- this summer, um, well, we're in this, this series called Give Me a Sign, and we've been unpacking that the last few weeks, looking to God for, for signs and whatnot. And um, th- this past summer, um, well, at the end of the summer, um, if you were with us during the summer, you knew that we had a very lovely summer intern named Lauren, and she did a great job, Lauren Border. And um, before she went to school, back to school, it's back to college, finish up her, se- um, her senior year, um, we decided as a staff that we would go out to Hershey Park for the day to celebrate her and her internship and just have some fun time um, together. And, um, and you may not know this, but, um, well, I grew up in, in Philadelphia, and um, I'd been to Hershey Park before, but um, as we were driving to Hershey Park, I realized that it had been over 20 years since I had been on a roller coaster. Just confession right there. Um, and real, I was, like, thinking, I'm like, when was the last time I, like, went I'm like, holy cow, it's a long time. Um, and so we're, like, driving there. I'm thinking, like, oh, gosh, what are we going to do? Like, how is, how is the... 20-year-older body going to react to going upside down with, once again, a college student um, and, and some others, and um, how is that going to work, right? Will this end well or not so well? Will there be stories of Pastor Chris and what happened on the roller coaster? Well, I didn't really know much about the roller coasters at, at Hershey Park. Maybe you go a lot, um, I have not, but um, we decided to warm up with the Super Duper Looper. And then um, we decided to, well, they decided to take me on um, this other roller coaster. Uh, what is it? It's called the Storm, is it Storm Chaser? Storm Runner? Yeah, and I knew nothing about the Storm Runner um, until we were in line and we were moving up front to where you kind of get on the cars. And I watched the Storm Runner, like, in five seconds go from zero to 70 out of the chute like a speeding bullet. And I looked at them, and I'm like, what on earth are we, what am I going to do here? I don't know how this story will end. And I remember my heart was beating, and I look back, and I'm like, I could turn around, right? But then I'd be like, Craster Chris is a total wimp. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, deep breath, right? Breathing, deep breathing. And finally, it was our turn to ride in the car. I remember after they put that harness on, I prayed, oh, Lord Jesus, please save me here and now from what is to come, and please do not let anything exit my mouth during this ride um, in many multiple ways. And, um, and I remember closing my eyes, and boom, we were off, and I tell you, yes, that was 
a ride. It's interesting feeling going that fast and then around curves and bends. And I have to say, all was well. Nothing came up or um, out. Um, <clears throat> and um, except my hair was like all this. I was trying to, uh, I had a picture and I think I deleted it probably off my phone. But, um, but I remember like getting off the, the little train, the, 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 um, the storm runner, and was like, oh my gosh, like, Phew, like, um, and now, like, I look back on that, and I've done, like, a whole bunch of different roller coasters since then, fortunately, um, but I look back on, like, that first, like, really intense ride of a roller coaster, um, that story with a little bit of perspective now, um, and, and honestly, I could not admit it then, but I have to admit it now that I was scared out of my wits. <laughs> I was scared! I, I, the fear was like welling up inside me as we were waiting there, and I looked once again at the exit or this train, and what am I going to do? Um, and all everything inside me wanted to give up and retreat back to what was safe, to the solid ground, and maybe like the little like kids like teacup ride going around, around in little circles that does not cause any bad things to happen. Um, but I remember that feeling, that feeling of fear, fear. Well, today we're continuing this series, Give Me a Sign, and I think it's been a good way to start the year. Um, I've heard a lot of your stories, both from the past as well as the present, of God revealing things to you or directing you or giving, giving signs, which is really great. And, and I, I want to encourage you, too, that... Um, Maybe share this series with someone. Everything is posted online, on Facebook, on YouTube. Um, maybe somebody that doesn't go to church or is kind of like, eh, about Jesus, God thing. Maybe they'd be open to like listening to some of this. Um, go ahead and watch. But in the, the first part, we back all the way up. In the first part, we talked about um, how uh, signs generally and how God chooses to give us signs, God sends signs to direct us, to guide us, to lead us. Um, and, and then we talked about the next week about the importance of paying attention, how a lot of times it's not that, that God speaks less as he did in the scriptures, but, but that we're not paying attention to what God's saying. We talked about how we shouldn't miss the signs God gives us. And then last week we talked about discernment, the process of discernment, about being the sieve, uh, not a funnel or a sponge. About Sometimes like we can interpret lots and lots of things to be things that maybe isn't of God. Um, how do you do that? And we talked about the discernment of process of, of signs from God and not looking at signs from other voices. But today I want to look at this thing of fear. Um, this thing of fear that often gets in the way of us following a sign from God. Gets in the way of us following maybe a decision to make or, or maybe something God is calling you to do to participate in his kingdom work here and now. Um, and so I want to talk about fear because... Um, Here's what I've come to believe, that more often than not, um, when, we, when we sense or we see a sign from God, what gets in the way is not that we don't know what to do, but that we're scared to do it. Not that we don't know what we should do, but that we are scared to do it. Um, and, and it's interesting because um, fear is such a common thing through Scripture. I mean, time and time again, it's the most common thing that God says is, Fear not, fear not. Um, and, and one of my favorite examples of this comes from the Old Testament scripture um, in the book of Isaiah, um, specifically from Isaiah chapter 41. Um, and so Isaiah says this, it's also printed in your sermon notes, it'll be on the screen. But Isaiah says, do, so do not fear for I from God, I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Um, and, and sometimes it, like, it, it, you cling to those words, right? You cling to those words, like, do not fear, I will help you. Um, and, and as much as we see fear as a very negative thing in life, um, I've come to believe that, that spiritually, um, it can actually mean that you're on the right track. It can actually mean you're on the right track. So say the Lord has given you a, a sign or a direction to go, feeling that feeling of fear can actually indicate that, yes, you are on the right track, that you're beginning to do something different. Maybe you're on the cusp of growth or maybe getting ready for a breakthrough. Um, oftentimes when we see signs, we know what we should do, but what gets in the way is our fear. Um, and so today I want to look at some common fears that arise within us um, when we see signs from God. When we see signs from God and maybe receive a direction from God. And, and the first fear I want to look at is uh, the fear of loss. First, the fear of loss. Fears that stop us from following signs from God. Fear of loss. Um, when, when God gives us a sign to go someplace new, um, it always means giving up something old. It always means giving up something old. You know, we're, we're finite human beings. We can only do so much, carry so much, be so much. And, and you'll, often hear, you'll often hear people um, talk about their fears and say, like, first and foremost, maybe they fear change. The thing of change, maybe you've said that before. You fear change. But it's not actually change that people are afraid of. What they fear is actually loss. And psychology has kind of pulled this out as well, that change always means letting go of something. It means a loss of sorts. And, and so we're scared to let go of what we've already had. We're, we're scared of, to let go even in the promise of something new. And we can see this with Jesus, especially in the Gospels. That it's interesting. Every time that, that Jesus called people to follow him, or invited people to follow him, or had like the open invitation, like, hey, come and follow me. Um, Jesus also called them to leave something behind. You can't do both. You can't follow two things or two leaders. And, and there's a story in the scriptures, in the gospels, um, when Jesus, he calls James and John, their two disciples that follow Jesus, he calls them, and they literally, they're in their boat with their dad, and they literally get up and leave the boat, leave their dad, they leave their family business, and they kind of like wave goodbye, and they leave that behind in order to follow the promise and the invitation of Jesus towards something new. Towards something new. Um, but, but not everybody, not every story, though, is like that. We have to contrast that with another story of a person later who comes to Jesus and tells Jesus, I want to follow you, Jesus. 
And, and so Jesus gets in a little discussion with this gentleman, and uh, the gentleman asks, well, what do I need to do in order to follow you? And Jesus, he kind of had some clarifying statements. He says, well, Jesus, Jesus tells him, uh, well, uh, do you keep the commandments? You know, if you do, then you know, follow me. And, and here's, here's how the story ends. This is from the Gospel of Matthew, starting in, verse 20, in, in chapter 19, verse 20. See, the young man replies when he asks, hey, have you kept all the commandments? He says, all these I've kept, the young man said. Um, what do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And then we're told when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And, and sometimes in church, we read this story and we focus on the money piece. And yeah, you know, it's about wealth getting in the way, money getting in the way of, of following. But, but I think it's also about the thing of the, the idea of loss as well. Um, this, this guy, he wanted to follow Jesus, but he didn't want to let go of what he had. He, he wanted to listen to the nudge of God to how God is nudging him. Once again, he came to Jesus. So apparently God was doing something, stirring up something in his life. So he came to Jesus. He wanted to listen to the nudge. He wanted to see where Jesus would lead him. But when the choice came, there was just too much to lose. There was too much to lose. And, and I see this in our lives too, that, that the fear of what we might lose if we follow God's direction, if we follow God's sign, that we're so afraid of loss. Um, there's actually some, some studies that have been done on, on gamblers, especially those that are involved a lot with horse gambling, um, that gamblers that are at a horse track on a losing day um, are most likely, are most li likely to bet on the long shots at terrible odds on the last race of the day. Things that they would never do in a million years, they choose to do because they're so afraid of walking out and losing. And we do that. We do that. We're so afraid of loss, but we always lose something in the process of change. We always have to give something up. Sometimes it is money. Sometimes it is money, but other times it's the comfort of what we have or the comfort of where we're sitting. Um, some of us, it's the ease of life. It might be a, a reputation. It might be revenge. It might be even people in our lives sometimes. But maybe, maybe we have to leave behind old ways of seeing ourselves, old ways of understanding who we are and things that we've been clinging to as part of our identity. And, and, and you know this, that fear is real. Fear, fear is real. And, and even though change is promising, you imagine like the change that Jesus initiates, change is promising, we can't take that feeling of loss lightly. That feeling of loss can be the fear that gets in the way of following. And so any time that we follow a sign from God, we have to recognize that it does. It does mean losing or leaving behind something. That God's guidance always involves that. You know, that, that it reminds us, though, that we can trust that God will deliver us to something new. And we can't back off or allow that fear to dominate taking that step in order to follow just because we're so afraid of what might go down or what we might lose. But then, then I think this, the second fear, though, that gets in the way of, of us following a direction or a sign from God is the fear of the unknown, the fear of the unknown. It's kind of related to loss in a way, 
but it's the fear of the unknown. That loss is about what we had, about what we have had, but unknown is not knowing exactly where we're going. You know, that, that in recovery, um, those who are in, rec in the recovery community um, talk a lot about two dueling fears. Um, one is the fear of losing something they've had, and then the fear of not getting something you want. Have you ever been there, right? Losing something you had, but then maybe taking a step and not getting what you want. Not receiving hey, the, what you thought where things would go. Um, that both crop up. The fear of, hey, maybe this won't turn out the way I thought it was going to be. You know, and it makes total sense that where we are right now is familiar territory. Good, bad, ugly, whatever it is. But, but you know, if you take a new job, who knows what's going to happen? If you get a new boss, who knows what's going to happen? If you open up again, who knows if you're going to be hurt again? You know, if you try something new, no, who knows? You might fall short. It might turn out different, a different path or road than what you thought. You know, you get the idea with that. Um, we resist following because there's too many unknowns in the way. And, and we see this in Scripture. And one of the, the stories that, that I absolutely love, I resonate with this so much, is the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament. The Israelites in the desert. There's like so many pieces there that you're like, you know, here they're, they're following uh, Moses to, to the promised land and they're like, they're angry about the situation. They're like, it was better back there in Egypt, like even though we were slaves and at least we had something to eat back there. Like we do that all the time. I do that all the time, right? But, but imagine that, that God was leading this group of people through the desert, through the wilderness, to the promised land. And, and it's interesting because in the story, they, the, these people, they're given more signs from God more signs from God than any other story in the entire scripture. They're given like time and time again, like God does this, God does that, God provides, all, the, all those sorts of things, and they still don't get it, right? I, I mean, it shows us, like, that's, that's us. Like, but God doesn't give up on us necessarily because of that. That's good news, right? But eventually, eventually they arrive, and they're on the cusp of the promised land. They've been waiting for this. They've been journeying for this for years and they're told, go and take it, right? You've been waiting for this. You, you're here. But then we're told they got scared. They got really scared. And so they're unsure about what this means, what this looks like. And so what do they do? Well, they decide to send spies. They send spies. Spies to go and kind of feel it out, see what's there, right? You know, just like, you know, say maybe you're thinking moving to an area, you know, you, you go and you test the waters, you see things, you look around. You spend spies, tell me, what, what is it like? And, and so listen, though, listen to what the scriptures say when the spies come back to the people after they've looked at this new land. So we're told, and this is Numbers chapter 13. And then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. So they brought to the Israelites an unfavorable report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land that we have gone through as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great size. There we saw the Nephilim, the Anakites come from the Nephilim, and to ourselves we seemed like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. It's very interesting. Like their first take is like, it's bad, there's all these things that we don't know. There's these people there. Ah, right? Like, and I think it, it rings true to us, too. I mean, 
They, they get, it go, the story goes on, and they get each other worked up over this. The spies come back, and people are like, ooh, oh my gosh. And then the leaders, they go, ooh. And then everybody just kind of, this whole anxiety thing just happens, and they're uncertain about where to go. And I think it shows us that if we spend time with fearful people, we will adopt their fear. Uh, you, you know this. You spend enough time with people that are fearful, like you start absorbing that, and it starts coming out. In the things you do, whether you recognize it or not. But, but imagine this, though, that their fear, when they sent these spies into the land, that they had been promised by God, fear started filling in the blanks. Do you do that? I do that. Filling in the blanks, you know, uh, the, the, the what ifs. Who will they encounter? What will the challenges be? What will it take? You know, in the face of the unknowns and the things that we don't know, don't we tend to fill in the blanks? Like, what if, you know, that, that you're talking to somebody, like, what if they said this? What if that took place? Like, you could talk yourself just about out of everything <laughs> when you face it, you know? And just because following a sign is so daunting. And, and they didn't know what was up ahead. Once again, we are bound in space and time as human beings. We are not God, thank God, right? But that we're in this place that it's, it's normal to face, hey, there's the unknown there, to be afraid of what's there. But we can't just wait around until we know everything, until we see everything. You know, sometimes we will never know, just as Israelites, we will never know until we take that first step. And in doing so, when we are doing so, we trust God that God is leading and God is protecting and after all the signs and directions, you know, we have to be careful not to let the fear of the unknown leave you stuck where you are. And never, you'll never go anywhere. So, so, so think about that. The, 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 the fear of loss, you know, that can keep us paralyzed. The, 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 the fear of the unknown, well, hey, what's ahead? Not just what I'm losing behind, but what's ahead? I don't, I don't quite know, and that could be paralyzing as well. But then I think there's a third fear, and that's the fear of failure, Fear of failure that can get in the way of following what God wants. That fear is, is the byproduct. Fear is the byproduct of our ability to project into the future and remember the past. Did you know that? It's a protective mechanism. It protects us because it helps us remember what happened so that way we can make adjustments for future actions. But, but sometimes we get so stuck in that place that we're afraid because anything might bad might happen. Um, and there's so many times in Scripture, there's so many times in Scripture that people fail and fail and fail. They fail God, they fail one another, they, they fail all kinds of situations. And, and, it's, and they also allow fear to impact them to the point that they don't take an act to follow what God wants. And it's all out of fear. But, but let me say this, that even for us, that, that when you fear you might fail, it can actually be a sign that you're about to have a breakthrough. That, that when you fear that you might fail at something, like that's the time to be humbled and to step out humbly and to recognize that, yes, you might, but yes, you are submitting to God. And, and we see this clear in the, in the story of Moses, actually. The story of Moses, you know, rewinding time. Remember back to that burning bush encounter, back to the time when before the Israelites are wandering the desert and come up to the coastal land. Rewinding time, way, way, way before that in Exodus chapter 3, when, when it, there's a time when Moses is in conversation with God, and God is saying, I chose you, Moses. I chose you to lead my people 
out of slavery. And so Exodus 3 says this. This is, this is God speaking. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And what takes place right after this is kind of comical in nature. And you and I do this all the time. He objects to God. <laughs> he objects to God. He gives so many excuses, but it's all about him and his failures. I mean, part of Moses' story was that he killed a guy. He killed a guy and buried him in the sand, and he left this, this, this highfalutin job and position working for the Egyptians because he was so afraid of what might happen to him. But he, he tells God, he tells God first, he says, first, like, I'm not qualified, God. Once again, I blew it. I had a bad past. I had a bad history. Then the second thing, they won't believe me anyway. Like, the people, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to follow me. He's not going to believe me. The Pharaoh's not going to believe me. Nobody. And then he kind of keeps going because God's like, no, 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 I still chose you. And he says, well, I'm not a good speaker. I can't talk really well. I get nervous in front of great crowds. You know, I'm only good one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, and, and he begs God to send somebody else. Please, God. And then we see later, we another, see another objection in Exodus 4. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, once again, who is sending me? Then the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I say to them? Like, he's putting it on God now. To say, I don't even know who's talking to me, like, totally. Can you clarify? Like, I don't want to get this wrong. And he's just kind of putting things off. But underneath all of Moses' excuses and objections was fear of failing, fear of falling short. See, it's the fear when he talks about his gifts, abilities, his background. He fears he's not enough. fears he's inadequate. He's not prepared enough. He's not smart enough. He doesn't have the abilities. You know, all these things can happen. You know, I can relate to that. Can you? Can you? That fear, fear of failing, the fear, fear of inadequacy. But a question for you in this. Don't you think that God factored in those things when he called Moses? Don't you think that God factored in those things when he's called you? He's factored in our failings from our past. He's factored in our inadequacies and the ways we see ourselves. Um, just recently, I was speaking to um, someone I'm mentoring in ministry, and we were just talking about she, she's relatively new and getting started and, and having all these people that she's trying to minister to. And um, we were just in a kind of gut honest conversation. And I'm like, you know, she's talking about this, this one thing that didn't really go so well. And I'm like, hey, you know what, friend? Like, you're going to try things and you're going to fail. Like, you're going to fail. I've failed before. Like, there's been events that I've planned and nobody's shown up. Like, there's been times when I should have said this and I didn't say that. And, you know, I messed up. I failed. Like, you're going to try things. And I don't think it's just in ministry. But you're going to try things and you're going to fail. And very easily, you can allow that failure, that fear of failure, to become dominant in your life. But, but it's really interesting. Um, there was a study done um, by uh, uh, Harvard Psychology, this one psychologist, Daniel Gilbert. Um, he actually wrote this book called Stumbling on Happiness. Um, and in it, he talks about how time and time again, though, when it comes to failure, we underestimate the power of our resilience. And I believe the power of resilience that God gives us. 
Time and time again, we face failure, face the possibility of failure, and we don't realize how resilient we can actually be and how resilient God can work in our lives to bring us through. And, and there will be times that, that we think we don't have skills to lead or we don't know enough, we're not good enough, even though God has called you. Um, and, and, and none of us really want to fail. None of us want to fall short. We, we tend to live in a kind of one-and-done culture, don't we, right? Like one failure, and then boom, that's it. But that tends to be like, hey, you know, you do things online, you do things in person, like whatever it is, like you're a one-and-done. Like you blew it at work, hey, you're fired. This is going to happen. That, that, that's how our culture is. But, but the fear of failure can, can leave us stuck. The fear of not living up to expectations, too, can keep us from following a sign that God has clearly put in our path. It's a reminder, though, today that we don't move forward alone, that even through failure, that we, we don't go into a direction that God is leading without God's power, without his grace, his grace, his love that's available to us. And so whether it goes well or it doesn't go as planned, we're going to learn and grow that God will use those things, willing, if we're willing, to grow us and to shape us. That, that fears of inadequacy and failure, I believe, are actually the sign that you're on the cusp of a breakthrough to a new place and how God wants to use you. So friends, like, here's what I think we're left with. That, that none of us are immune to fear. None of us will be immune, immune to fear. We see throughout scripture, throughout history, among God's people, that fear is a real thing. And we can't totally stop fear, but I do believe that we can fear less. We can fear less because of the presence of God and his direction with us. To know that one ending that we think is the end is not the end. See, we're left with the irony that, that very often what keeps us stuck is not that we don't know what to do, but that we're scared to go through it. Uh, I shared with a, um, a friend here in this church, um, once again, from the recovery community, there's a little saying I want to give you. It's an acronym. Anybody like acronyms? Maybe you work for a government agency and you're like surrounded by acronyms and you talk in acronyms. Whatever. I'm going to give you an acronym. So fear is spelled how? F-E-A-R. Okay, so here's, here's two choices. Fear can stand for forget everything and run, or it can stand for face everything and recover. Your choice. Forget everything. The F word, some cases, is a different F word than forget. But um, it's forget everything and run, or face everything and recover, and recover or rise. It's your choice. It's your choice. That's the power that God gives us. See, and I want you to hear something. Maybe you're afraid today. Maybe you're scared today. And that does not mean that you're necessarily unfaithful. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean you're cowardly. It means that you're absolutely normal. You're normal. And that's the way it is, though, with signs from God. The challenge of them is many times we're scared to do it. But, friends, we can fear less. Because your heavenly Father has the final say. That, that every once in a while, fear can creep in. It creeps back in. It does for me. 
But there's times when I'm like, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm like, I'm going to sit here. And then like the fear like comes back and I have to like re-release it to God like again and again and again, you know, and, and the, the fear creeps in again and like it doesn't completely go, but we're never going to be 100% fearless. The fear creeps back in and I have to let it go again and again, but we can fear less. And, and, and as we close today, I want you to remember though the good news, the good news what God has promises for all of us. That he says these words, just as he said in Isaiah 41, I will go with you. I will be in front of you. I'll be behind you. That God says, I am willing to go through death, to go through death, even to conquer it. That you don't even have to be afraid of death. Do you believe that? Amen to that, right? That through the power of Jesus, we don't even have to be afraid of death. It's an amazing thing. But God's saying, can you trust me now? I'm leading you. Just follow. See, the Jesus who calls and challenges us is also the Jesus who says, do not be afraid. He told his disciples even before he left them physically, and I believe he says these words also to us, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And as we go to the table today as we close this, the, the message today. Um, I want to visit a prayer. Um, during the series, we've been visiting a prayer each week um, that I hope that maybe one has resonated with you or that you keep somewhere or read again. Um, and this is a prayer of Mother Teresa, one of her many prayers. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Mother Teresa was not a perfect person, not by any means. But Mother Teresa doubted God at times. Mother Teresa struggled in her prayer life. Mother Teresa hurt people. Mother Teresa had struggles discerning God's direction. And yet Mother Teresa continued to follow and did not allow the fear of loss or the unknown or failure to get in the way of what God was calling her to do and the change that she would initiate in the world and what we would remember and we would celebrate today. So this is a prayer of Mother Teresa. It's printed in your notes. Um, I just pray that you would close your eyes and, and receive these words. Receive them. Um, Deliver me, O oh Jesus, from the desire of being esteemed, from the desire of being loved, from the desire of being honored, from the desire of being praised, from the desire of being preferred to others, from the desire of being consulted, from the desire of being approved, from the desire of being popular. Deliver me, O oh Jesus, from the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of being rebuked, from the fear of being slandered, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being wronged, from the fear of being treated unfairly, from the fear of being suspected. And Jesus, grant me the grace to desire that others might be more loved than I, that others might be more esteemed than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may be holier than I, provided that I too become as holy as I can. Amen.